is out there, and um, want to keep moving in what God has called us to do. Amen. Amen. All right, you can say amen. Amen, by the way, means so be it. Okay, so when I'm preaching and I say something and you want to claim that for your life, you need to say amen. You're saying so be it. When I say that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, you should be shouting amen. That means so be it. So be it in my life that I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so you guys need to, uh, you know, communicate that and, um, you know, use that word. That's not just a churchy word. That's not just a religious thing. That's, oh, that's what the super spiritual people do. No, that's people that are get, grabbing a hold of that and they're saying, amen. I need that word. Amen. I want that to work in my life. So turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. <clears throat> Hallelujah. When we come together on Wednesdays, you know what? I'm always praying about where we want to go on Wednesdays. And I, I try to keep Wednesdays more in a mode of encouraging, um, uplifting. You know, people are already coming here weighted, and people are already coming here with different things going on in their lives and uh, throughout their weeks and their days. Uh, you know, in the world, Wednesday's hump day. And so they call it that because they feel like they have been going uphill all week long and they're at the top of the hill and now they feel like they're going to go back down the other side. Well, I want to help you get down the other side. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always praying about what can we minister on that's encouraging and uplifting, but still keep it in the vein of teaching. Um, you have sacrificed a lot and invested a lot in getting here. And so, uh, you know, I know that you value the word. I know that you have uh, made a choice tonight not to stay at home. And so I try to bring it a little bit deeper. Um, and so I believe tonight's message is, is going to help us tonight. I believe it's encouraging. But it's one of those messages that right off the top uh, doesn't sound like the most encouraging. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really have that ring of, oh, yeah, I feel awesome. I feel uplifted now. Tonight's title is Growing Pains. Growing Pains. We're going to talk about pruning for growth. Pruning for growth. I think it's interesting that as you grow and as you're trying to mature to completion, you have to let things go. You have to let go of things. If you want to be complete in something, then you have to let go of something. It's almost like a dichotomy. It's almost like two conflicting statements. How am I going to get complete if I'm always letting go of something? But the thing that we have to realize in maturity, spiritual maturity and spiritual growth, and we you know, just had a series on spiritual growth, um, but what you have to realize is if you want to go deeper with God, there's things that are in our lives that are holding us back. So what you have to realize is you have a new life that's on the inside of you now. Your spirit man has been made new. He's a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, that's obviously not speaking of natural things. Because when you came down here and you said that prayer and you got born again and, and you asked Jesus into your heart and you confessed him as Lord and Savior of your life, you didn't turn around and walk back to your seat and everyone was like, Who's that? You still look the same. 
you're still the same person. You still smell the same. You still act the same. Uh, there's a new life on the inside that now needs to show up on the outside. And so when it says that old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, he's talking about your spirit, man. God sees you not as someone who sinned or even has sinned and now got it right. He sees you as a complete, brand new work that is righteous in Christ Jesus. That's how God sees you. Old things have passed away. The Bible says he, uh, he takes your sin and he removes it, casts it into the ocean. It's separated as far as the east is from the west. That's what the Bible says. Problem is, is, a lot of us don't have that perception. A lot of us don't have the picture of what God sees. But the old things have passed away. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But on the outside... We still have some of the old habits, the old talk, old behavior, old look, old reactions, old responses. And so we have to figure out what are the things that are going to help us grow into everything that God's word says that we are. See, there's a thing called potential. That God has given every single person. God has given you potential. Potential is stored capacity. Potential is stored capacity. When someone first starts working out and starts lifting, in them is the capacity to bench 200 pounds. But they might start out at 135. And they may or may not ever reach their potential to lift that amount of weight. God has given everybody a potential. So what keeps us from reaching our potential? What keeps us from growing? It's holding on to things that are hindering rather than helping. And so when we're talking about pruning for growth, it's Interesting to note that as you grow, if you want to mature, you have to let go of things. Think about it this way. Imagine if from a baby all the way to an adult, all we did was add things and never stop doing things. Imagine if you still, to this day, ate like a baby. And you added eating with the spoon and eating with the fork, and not using your hands, and not having to have someone feed you, and not having to drink from a bottle. You added those things, but still did those other things. Every now and then, I still take a bottle. <laughs> Every now and then, I'll eat my spaghetti with my hands, and then put it in my hair, and then take the bowl and put it on my head as a 30-year-old man, sitting in cheddars, and everyone's looking around wondering, well, he was eating with a fork a minute ago. What happened? What if I only added new things as I matured, but never let go of old things? Paul put it this way. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. But now that I've grown, my communication and my talk has changed. 
Imagine if I was just talking to you and having a normal conversation like this, and then I'll goo goo ga gee ga boo gee gee. Imagine if that happened. Imagine if I only added communication and hung on to the communication that I had when I was a young baby. So as we grow, even in the natural, as we mature, and the word mature means to be complete, as we are reaching completion, there are things that we have to let go of. There are things that we have to put away that will hinder growth in our life. So in John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus is speaking. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. We saw this on Sunday. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. More fruit. You will have a hard time getting a job as a 20-year-old man if you're still talking like a two-year-old boy. If I want to bear more fruit in my life, I have to prune and cut away things that will hinder me being able to grow. As we grow, things have to be cut away. If we don't cut away certain things, they will hinder growth. They will keep the growth from taking place. And so as we are trying to uh, become complete, there is this essence of cutting things away. Notice here that both pictures have cutting involved. I like to put it this way. Either way, you're going to get cut. <laughs> either way, you're going to get cut. You're either going to get cut from the tree altogether, or you can have the things cut off of you that allow you to stay connected to the tree and allow you to produce the fruit from the source that you're connected to. Either way, there's cutting involved. Either way, something is being cut off. So you can either be cut off altogether, or you can cut the things out of your life that allow you to still remain connected and become fruitful. The military works this way. Athletes operate this way. You can either get cut from the team if you don't become fruitful and don't grow and mature into what you need to do to remain on the team, or you can cut out the habits and cut out the things in your life that will allow you to stay connected to the team. Either way, you're getting cut. In the military, if you don't want to cut and if you don't want to remove the habits that keep you from operating in the service, then you will be cut from the military. You will not make the cut. So either way, somebody's getting cut. Cutting is necessary. Now I'll go ahead and let you know, cutting, pruning, never feels good. 
but it's necessary. Necessary for what? This verse tells us, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What is the goal? To bear more fruit. The ultimate goal is to let go of the things that are hindering growth so that you can now grow and then in turn produce more fruit. That's the goal. The goal of cutting away those habits to make the football team is so that you can be a fruitful football player on the team and produce results on the field when it comes game time. The reason those habits and, and, and that, that way of living has to be cut off of you in the military is so you can be fruitful when you're in the war zone, in the middle. And when uh, someone tells you to do something, you respond like that, not, oh, do I have to? Or then you can't perform the task because you didn't build up your body to the level that it was needed to operate and perform a task. So either way, cutting is involved. Cutting never feels good. Pruning never, never feels good, but it's necessary. So as we grow in God, every believer ought to be a fruitful asset to the kingdom of God. Every person. There is no Christian... There is no believer, there's no kingdom citizen that is allowed to just waltz into the kingdom and then do things your way. It is required of a kingdom citizen that you learn the kingdom life and you cut the things off that don't reflect kingdom life and you add and grow into a kingdom citizen that is operational, fundamental, and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Every Christian should be fruitful for the kingdom of God. I'm afraid we can't make that statement in the world today. I'm afraid that's not necessary a thought process in every believer's mind of, I don't want to just call myself a Christian and be in a kingdom and not do anything. I want to be in the kingdom and I want to produce kingdom results. That should be every believer's mindset. Whatever it is that is keeping me from producing the results of the kingdom of God, I want to get rid of it, and then I want to grow and become a fruitful citizen for the kingdom of God. I want to be one that is spreading the gospel everywhere I go. I want to be one that is revealing God's kingdom everywhere I go. I want to be one that is speaking God's kingdom everywhere I go. God, uh, Jesus said, you, when you're looking for the kingdom, you won't find it here or there because it's in you. He took the kingdom of God and he housed it in your life and in your body, in your actions. He housed the kingdom within you. So the only way the kingdom of God is getting out is if you let it out. But this requires pruning. This requires cutting away. Right now, you know, being vision month, my wife and I, we've just been, this entire month, we've just been honing in on the vision, this ministry, 
analyzing every department, analyzing every ministry, and analyzing uh, every area. Why? Because we want it to be fruitful. And you know what we've been doing? We've been cutting away things that will, that will hinder growth. We're pruning, we're cutting away so that growth can take place. Because I don't know about you, but I want this thing to grow. You know, you can't be fruitful if you don't grow. There's a reason why most jobs will not hire anyone under the age of 14. And a lot of them even higher than that. Why? The growth hasn't taken place for you to become fruitful in this assignment. We need a few more years for you to develop. We need a few more years for things to be cut off. We need a few more years for you to become fruitful in the assignment that we can give you. Come back and see us when you're 18. Come back and see us when you're 17. Growth will hinder, or uh, not growing will hinder your assignment and your fruitfulness. Any branch, any tree, any crop that doesn't grow, it can't produce the fruit. The whole point of growth is so that it can develop and produce fruit. I was talking with Brent just a few weekends ago about how long does it take from the time you plant a pecan tree, how long does it take until you receive something back? He said about three years until you receive the first nut. Why? Because growth has to take place. And so you're pruning the thing so that growth can take place so that now we can produce fruit. If you refuse pruning, you're refusing growth and you're refusing fruit. You cannot have any of them without the other. You will not produce fruit without growing. You will not grow without pruning. Just trying to bring this home. I thought you said this was going to be encouraging. It is. You just have to dig into it a little bit. (laughs) Growth comes from pruning. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't know about you, but I want to produce fruit. And I want to grow so that I can produce fruit. And every stage has fruit in it. But to produce more fruit, you have to prune. You have to grow to another level. You should never be at the same level in the kingdom of God that you came in at. You should be developing. You know, the Bible doesn't say read it. It doesn't say read the Bible to sow yourself proved. It's not what it says. It says study the Bible. There's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Just go ahead and let you know. You don't become a studier without pruning. You don't grow to the level of being able to study God's word without pruning some things in your life that are hindering you being able to grow. And guess what? When you grow 
to the level of being able to study God's word, then you will produce the fruit of someone that studies God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, do- for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, perfect, mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is this verse telling me? This verse is telling me that if I want to be fruitful, thoroughly equipped for every good work, if I want to be fruitful, if I want to produce fruit in my life, this verse is telling me that if I want to be complete, perfect, mature, that I have to get in God's Word. God's Word is what will prune you. Now, I meant to tell you to keep your thumb in John chapter 15. Most of you are on electronic devices anyways, so you can just type it back in. But go back to John chapter 15, because we're not done there. Jesus had more to say. John chapter 15. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. Now look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I gave one example on Sunday that abiding in Jesus means being connected to his body, which is the church. Point blank, if you are not connected to a local body church, you are unfruitful for the kingdom of God, period. You are a vine that has been chopped off and is laying over on the road all by itself, and do any of those limbs produce fruit, Brent? No. Why? Because they're not connected to the source that's grounded into the ground that's receiving life and therefore will die. Christians, believers, that don't have a church home, that are just wandering around, hopping around, watching things on TV, but are nowhere connected, members, partners with the vision in their area, are unfruitful for the kingdom of God and dead. Okay, so we gave that example on Sunday. I want to show you a different example. Jesus, in John chapter 1, the Bible says, was the Word. 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we could put the word, the Bible, in here for Jesus. Abide in God's word, and God's word in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the word. You can't separate the two. You can't separate the two. If Jesus is the word of God in the flesh, then when he's referring to himself, then he's referring to his word. You will not grow without being in this. Now the word abide means to live in. Make your dwelling in your home. When I was a kid growing up, as many other children do, I had friends and we would have sleepovers. And I would go visit their house. I would even eat at their house. I would even sleep at their house. I'd brush my teeth at their house. I'd play video games at their house, watch movies at their house, play in their backyard, sit on their couch. But that didn't mean that I dwelled there. I did not abide in their house. Because ultimately, I had a home that I went back to, and that's where I dwelled. Abiding in God's word is not the same as visiting God's word. Abiding in God's word means that you live in God's word. Abiding in God's word means that God's word is your home. That's where you dwell. That's where you make your abode. That's where you go back home to. Abiding in God's word means to live in God's word. I lived at my house way more than I visited someone else's house. And I may have even done all those things that I did at someone else's house, but that did not qualify for making it my home. We've got to learn to live in God's word. And abiding in God's word, living in God's word, he told his disciples, that's what makes you clean. What's he saying? He's saying all this pruning and all this purifying I'm telling you about, my word is doing it. My word is causing that growth to take place. The words that I've been speaking to you, that's what's been cutting this off and cutting that off and allowing you to grow and then as a result, allowing you to bear fruit. So abide in my words. And the more you live in my words, the more you abide in my words, the word of God will cut off the things in your life that are keeping you from growing. They're cutting off those things on the outside that are hindering the growth on the inside. 
So, thumb back over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God. No man wrote the Bible. Period. They wrote as they were impressed upon by the Holy Spirit, as they were inspired by the Spirit of God. All Scripture was given by inspiration of God. And is profitable. For what? Profitable for doctrine, for teaching us. Profitable for reproof and for, re- for correction, identifying the things that are wrong. And then profitable for instruction in righteousness, identifying how to get it right. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at this in the New Living Translation. All Scripture is given, or all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. There's no growth that takes place without being in God's Word. There's no growth that takes place. There's no pruning that takes place without letting God's word correct you and reveal the things that need to be changed. It will identify what's wrong and it will tell you how to do it right. Verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That sounds a lot like pruning for growth. You know, coaches, they don't care if you do it. If you have a good coach in your life, they don't care if you do something. The only thing they care about is if you get it right. A good coach will tell you to do it again and do it again with sweat coming off of your forehead when you're ready to about when you're about ready to throw your guts up when you don't feel like your muscles can move another inch they're going to say get down and do it again and they're going to tell you how to do it right. No, put your arms this way. Stand this way. Use your form this way. Catch the ball this way. They don't care if you do it. They're not involved in just doing something. They're involved in doing it right. And that's how God's God's word operates in our lives. God doesn't care that you just do something. He cares that you do it right. And so pruning is involved to continue to correct and continue to change. Why? So you can grow, so you can bear fruit. That's the ultimate result. 
Growth isn't so you can be the biggest tree in all the forest. Growth isn't, isn't so you can be the largest crop in all the field. Growth is so that you can produce results. And if you don't grow to a certain level, then you'll only produce results to a certain level. And so we have to get rid of the things that are keeping us from growing and keeping us from becoming what we need to be. James chapter 1. Have you ever read the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and it says something about you, and you think to yourself, man, how's that true? I don't feel like that. You ever read the Bible and it says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you think, well, man, if you knew what I did last night, you wouldn't be saying that about me. Right? If you knew the way I just talked to my wife, you wouldn't call me the righteousness of God. You ever done that? It's because the Bible is written to your potential. It's because God wrote this book based upon how he sees you, not what you actually do. That's why some people get intimidated by God's word. You calling me? You're telling me I have every spiritual blessing in heaven places? I can't. I can't pay my electric bill this month. What do you mean, God has supplied all my riches and glory in Christ Jesus? I don't even have gas in my car right now. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's just like, who wrote this book and who were they writing to? Because they sure weren't writing to me. But that's because God wrote the Bible to who he wants you to become, not who you are today. The Bible will always speak to your potential. The Bible will always speak to how he sees you, not what you actually do. So as we read the Bible, and now that we understand that God's word brings that growth, brings that pruning that allows us to bear the fruit of what it says, when, that, when it says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then it goes on to tell you, and this is how you become righteous. This is how you act holy. This is how you cause what's on the inside of you to come out of you. This is how you reach your potential. What's it doing? It's bringing that reproof, that correction, that doctrine, that instruction for righteousness, and it's preparing you for every good work. It's preparing you to be who you need to become. It's cutting those things off to saying, all right, now look, you're doing this, and you have this, and you're acting this way, and you're talking this way, but if we can get rid of all that, then you'll become this, is what it's doing. Look at this in James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore... Lay aside. What does that mean? Cut off, put away. All filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He's saying cut off the old stuff and replace it with the word of God. 
Cut off all that junk that's keeping you from growing. Cut off all that junk that's keeping you uh, unfruitful, unproductive for the kingdom of God. Get rid of those things and receive the word of God. Now look at the first word of verse 22. But, (laughs) that means there's more. But don't just receive the word. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know how many people walk back out the doors of their church deceived? Because they walk out thinking, man, I heard the word today. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do some good stuff for the kingdom of God. But they don't realize that if they never do it, if they never apply it, they'll never produce any results in their life. You won't be fruitful just hearing. Fruitfulness comes from doing the word. Look at verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Let me help you with something. God places people in our lives to help lead us and guide us into correction. Most formatively, your pastor. But here's what you have to understand. Your pastor isn't the one correcting you. The word is what corrects. I don't have the authority to correct. In fact, I don't even have the power to see on my own areas in in your life that need to be corrected. But this tells me what it should look like. And so now we're able to go with this and say, okay, that doesn't look like this. We need to get that to look like this. The Bible says right here in James chapter 1 that this operates like a mirror. This operates like a mirror. And if I look into this mirror, it will show me what I look like. And it'll also show me what I'm supposed to look like. See, that's why we read the Bible and we think, well, man, I don't look like that. Because it's a mirror revealing to you that your current state doesn't match who you should be. Your current state doesn't match your potential. You ever had someone tell you that something was in your hair? Or you, you ever do that? You got, you got something right there. 
You ever notice that we always go to the opposite side? It's like you think we'd get this thing down. Okay, they're telling me it's over here, so I need to go over here to get it. You got something right there in your teeth, right, right there. Oh, over here? No, the other side. Oh, sorry. We always do that. We never get it right the first time. You think we, it's almost like when someone says, hey, will you take a picture of us? And then they always say the, you know, the button's right here. You ever notice the button's always on the right side of the camera? You know, I, I don't know why we grab the camera and we act like, hmm, it's on the right side. It's been there since day one when they created the camera. It's always there. It's, I've never grown, wow, they moved the button to the left side. They're trying to trip me up now. No, it's always there, top right. Where's the, how do you work this? Same thing, little window right there, look through it, put me in the, in the little box there, and hit the button on the top. Well, do you have to hold it down, or it's got two flashes, three flashes? Do you have the flash on at all? You know, it's just funny things that I notice in life. It's a camera. Right there, very simple. Now we got cell phones, and so now you literally have to figure out how to take it. Yep. Anyways. When someone tells you, when someone's identifying something that needs to change, something that needs to be corrected, you can always go to the mirror to find out if it's really like that. Someone says, hey, you got something in your hair. And if there's a mirror handy... Right off the top, you can look in there and say, oh, oh yeah, you're right. We got to understand that people don't correct us. The word corrects us. If I ever bring up an area of correction to someone, I've always got the mirror with me. I always bring the mirror and I can say, now look, this is what you should look like. But this is how you look. You got a little something right there. And then we can correct it. The word acts like a mirror. Look at this passage, James chapter 1 in the New Living Translation. James chapter 1 verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word of God. Accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. The word does. Jesus is my savior. Yeah, and Jesus is the word. The word is what is saving your life. You know, sometimes we attribute it to a person that maybe prayed with us or helped identify that we were lost and dying and go to hell. But ultimately, it's the word. Ultimately, that person just came into your life and brought you a mirror and said, this is what you look like. Look at this. You look silly. You got something in your hair. You got, you got, your teeth are all jacked up. You got to change your clothes. Your collar's flipped up. You got to change this stuff so you can look the way you're supposed to look. Ultimately, they're coming with a mirror that's bringing the correction. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, 
and forget what you look like. Wouldn't that be horrible if you looked in the mirror and saw that your hair was all messed up and you're not even ready to walk out the door and you go, and you walk away and don't do anything about it. But yet that's what we do when we read the word of God and it identifies correction. It's profitable for reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness. And then we don't apply it. We don't do it. We don't allow that growth, the, the, the pruning to take place, so the growth doesn't take place, so we remain unfruitful. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for doing it. The word of God is there to prune in our lives. Oh, I hate cutting. I hate pruning. You know that when you work out, you're actually not building up your muscles at all. You realize that when you're pushing weight, when you're, when you're actually uh, using force with your muscles, you're actually tearing up your muscles. You're shredding them to pieces. Why? So that when they grow, they can grow back stronger. If you want to become complete in the kingdom of God, if you want to become whole, if you want to be perfect, if you want to grow and mature so that you can produce the proper results of the kingdom, then you have to cut things away. You have to prune and separate things and get them out of your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is a lifestyle. It's not an event. You will be cutting things out of your life for the rest of your life. If you're not, then you're not growing. If you're not reading your Bible more next year this time than you are today, you haven't grown. If you're not walking any deeper with God, if you're not praying anymore, then we haven't grown. We've just been doing things. We've been looking in the mirror and saying, oh, and then walking away and changing, and and walking away and not changing anything. But we cut. We cut things out. We cut things off. We separate from those things. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cut. I don't want to be disqualified. Uh, Paul said uh, that I I, uh, subdue my body, I put it under subjection, So that in the end, I will not be disqualified from running the race. What's he saying? I cut those things off. I separate. I put those things away because in the end, I want to still be found fruitful. I don't want to just be fruitful my first year in the kingdom or my second year or the first five years. I want to be fruitful all the way to the end. I want to run my race with passion and endurance and perseverance. The things that we're doing uh, this month in our church, this isn't just a one-time thing. We will always be analyzing and always be looking and always be identifying what are things that can be cut off, what are things that we can separate from, what are things that we can remove and that are hindering us for growth and so that we can continue to grow and be fruitful. Because I don't know about you, I want to be larger Next year than I am, than we are today. 
I want our body to be deeper and grow spiritually. We should not be having this talk next year, this time. And we shouldn't be talking about the same things. Well, man, you know, last year when Pastor Mark talked about that, you know, because look, last year this time, we did something called separate timber. If you remember, we took the entire month and we separated from things. We cut things off so that we could go deeper, transition further, and do something greater. Well, guess what? Sunday is September 1st. Are you still having to cut things out of your life this year? that you were trying to cut out of your life last year? That shouldn't be. Then we haven't grown. We haven't developed. And guess what? You're not producing any greater results today than you were 365 days ago. That's why this cutting is so important. This isn't a joke. This isn't something that we just talk about. Yeah, you know, I need, I need, to, I need to work on that. And I need to work on, you know, talking like that. And I, you know, I need to work on doing that and that habit. You know, I really shouldn't be. We talk about it so lackadaisically like it's just one day we're going to wake up and, man, I don't want to do that anymore. It doesn't happen. Cutting, pruning, you will not produce results if we don't cut the things out that are keeping us from growing. And so we've got to get serious about it because we will be participating once again in separate timber. You need to begin identifying what are those things this next month that I need to take 30 days. There are 30 days in September, 30 days, and I will literally separate that, separate from that for 30 days. Got to, be, got to begin identifying that. And then you got to do what James chapter 1 verse 21 says. Get rid of all this and then receive this. So these next 30 days, beginning September 1st, you ought to be in the word more in those 30 days than you've ever been in your entire life. You ought to be growing more in those 30 days than you have ever grown in your entire life. Most people won't be up to the challenge, but it is a challenge. It's a challenge to go deeper. It's a challenge to grow further. It's a challenge to produce greater results for the kingdom of God. And it's a requirement. It's a responsibility of every believer to grow. Every believer is to produce. Because we're going to stand before one day, and the results are what he's going to look at. He's not going to look at the prayer. He's not going to remember that. He's not going to look at that day that you came down front and said that prayer and you're weeping and crying and you're tired of living like the world and tired of, of, of you know, operating and like that. And you just said, you know what, God, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. And then he's going to come back and he's saying, all right, so let's look at what you produced. When he came back to the three men that he gave talents to, he was looking for results. 
And if you bury it in the ground, you'll answer for that. If you stick it in the ground and cover it up and don't do anything with it, you'll answer for that. If you're not growing, if you're not adding to what was given to you, you will answer for that. I dealt with you about this thing, and you wouldn't put it down. You wouldn't let it go. I told you that we, you can't do that anymore. You have to let that go. Why? So you can become greater for the kingdom of God, so you can be producing more results in your life. I have greatness inside of you, but these things that you're holding on to, they're, they're gripping the greatness, and they're holding it, and they're subduing it, and they're keeping it inside of you. And I want it to come out. But you won't let that go. You won't do this. You won't apply this. I told you it was encouraging. (laughs) It's encouraging because there is greatness inside of every single person. There is greatness. There is potential. There is stored capacity. This Bible tells you that there's stored capacity. And if you're not seeing it, it's time to sit down, take a look at it and say, why am I not seeing that? Why am I not seeing that? Why am I not seeing that? Why am I still seeing this? Why is this happening? Why is this still taking place? And I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to apply this. And I'm going to change and produce greater results for the kingdom of God. That's what's required of every single one of us. And so these next few days, you need to begin. I'm charging you. I'm challenging you. Do not take September and sit back and watch it go. Don't show up on September 30th and say, man, I didn't do it. Man, I didn't let that thing go. Man, I don't feel closer. I don't feel deeper. Look, this isn't to make you super spiritual. I'm not trying to build uh, spiritual giants in here. I'm not trying to build up people that have their chest out and are all pride and uh, haughty about it and act like no one can be on their level because they're so spiritual. I hate those people in the gym. I don't even want to talk to them. I don't hate them. I hate them, hate them. But I don't, you got nothing for me. You can't help me. Yeah, look what I did. Look at all that weight over there. Watch me. Who cares? What are you doing with it? Sometimes I look at them and I'm like, why aren't you playing a sport? Why aren't you picking up cars that landed on top of people? Why aren't you pulling people out of fires? Why aren't you doing something with it? Yeah, look what I did. If you can't help me, get away from me. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to develop. Period. Well, that's not what we're trying to build in God's kingdom. We're trying to build people that can grow to a level so that they can help other people that are dying, help other people that aren't growing, help other people that need life. That's what we're doing. That's how you produce the fruit of the kingdom. That's how you become fruitful. And then in the end, you'll stand before him and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. Now I will make you a ruler over much. Do you notice how being faithful with something causes you to rule over something? Anybody want to rule anything in life? Anyone tired of life telling you what to do? Anybody tired of your bank account telling you what to do? Anybody tired of of the earth telling you what to do? Anybody tired of money telling you what to do and sickness telling you what to do? I don't know about you, but I want to be faithful with the little that I've been given so that I can be a ruler over much.
I want to tell money what to do. I want to look at money and say, all right, now you're going to go over there and you're going to do this. You're going to build this building and you're going to buy these sandwiches for the homeless people. And you're going to buy these backpacks and school supplies for kids that can't go back to school with new supplies. And you're going to go buy these clothes for kids that can't go to school with new clothes. That's what I want to do. I want to tell money to do what I want it to do. Instead of looking at it and saying, man, I wish I sure could do that. I want to be a ruler. So I'm going to start being faithful with the little that I've been given. And then I'm going to reap results and rule over something and change people's lives in the midst of it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to grow. Father, we want to grow. We don't want to stay the same. We don't want to be lazy, unfruitful. We don't want to be the wicked, slothful, lazy servant that was disqualified, that was cut off from the kingdom. But Father, your word reveals in our lives things that need to be cut, things that need to be pruned. And Father, although it may not be fun, although uh, it, it, it may not feel good, Father, we know on the inside, greatness is coming out. Father, we know that you are just creating and developing within us a life that reaches the potential your word says we can live. Father, you have so many great blessings for us. Your word outlines and declares such a great life for us. Father, right now we get rid of the mentality of what we can't do and we put on the mentality of what we can do. Many times we enter into these times of pruning, these times of growth and cutting things off as, oh man, I don't get to do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I can't talk that way. I can't look at that. I can't watch that kind of show. I can't watch the, those kind of movies. I, I can't uh, hang around those kind of... But instead of looking at what we can't do, Father, we're going to start looking at the blessings that come when we're obedient to your word. Because... Because we cut those things off in our life, we can produce great results for the kingdom of God. We can become a great studier of the word of God. We can develop a great prayer life with our heavenly father and king. We can be bold in our walk with God. We can become fruitful with our friends and our family and our coworkers. That they won't just see someone anymore that just calls himself a Christian but doesn't look any different, but that they will see someone who calls himself a Christian and produces different results in their life. Produces fruit. So Father, we enter this time of separation. We're going to take these next few days and begin to analyze what are the things that you're calling us to cut off? What are the things you're calling us to prune? We accept the challenge. We accept the challenge today. 30 days of discovery. 30 days of growth. 30 days of cutting off. 30 days of development. 30 days of becoming productive for the kingdom of God. Father, we honor you and we bless you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and through this church in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.